Please open your Bible over to Galatians chapter 6, if you will. Galatians chapter 6. As we continue our series, Seven Motivations of the Christian Life, we are looking at the second part of the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. And this is truly a life-changing, life-motivator for those of us who are believers in particular. Now, we see the principle, and we'll just very, very brief review from last week, explaining what it is in case you weren't here and you're not sure what it's referring to. It says in Galatians 6, 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked. In other words, God will bring to pass what he has said he will bring to pass. God is true to his word. If it's in the Bible, you can bank on it. You can be sure that, okay, this is the way it is. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Now, obviously, it's not talking about physically fainting. It's the idea of losing heart, okay, or getting so discouraged that you quit going forward in your life. That is the idea. So we covered last week the principle stated, and let me just say very briefly, what is the principle stated, this issue of sowing and reaping? Now, while this is basically common sense, we are going to define it anyway, because remember, like from last week, common sense is no longer common today. So let's define some terms. To sow. What does it mean to sow? To sow is to plant a seed. This is a farming picture, okay? To sow is to plant seed. To reap is to receive the results of what you've planted. So to sow is to plant seed. To reap is to receive the results of what you've planted. Simply stated, everything we do has results, whether positive or negative. By our actions, we are planting seeds that will bring up some sort of a harvest or a crop somewhere down the line. Now, we don't know when that will manifest itself, but it will manifest itself. The results are not only for now, but they are also for the future. And when it comes to the issue of reward, the results are eternal in nature because God will reward the believer for what he has done for Christ. Now, this is a powerful and common sense motivator in the Word of God. And so we see the principle stated. But secondly, today, and this is we're picking up a new ground on this, the principle applied. And this is where I think this is going to shed a lot of light and help us understand this. This is a very, very important truth, both positively and negatively. Usually when people talk about sowing and reaping, they only see it as negative. But it isn't just negative. It's also positive. And God wants us to see both sides to it. Now, usually, you know, somebody says, oh, it's not negative. It's positive too. Great. And they only want to start thinking about it in a positive sense. No, let's keep it in balance. The Word of God gives us both. So we need to stay where the Word of God is and that it is both positive and negative. Now, we're going to look in this message today at several areas of life, particularly in the Christian life, but also in society. And let me say, the list is exhaustive, but we're not going to do it. We're just going to number or cover some of them just to where we understand how profound this is and how impactful this is on not only our lives, but those around us, okay? 
So let's look at it. The first one we want to look at, turn with me over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. It's the issue of morality or immorality. Morality versus, you might say, immorality. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul is writing to Christians here. Now remember this, none of these things we're talking about have to do with a way to get you to heaven. These have to do with life choices that we're making now and the results that will come from them. Understand this, getting to heaven is not based on how you live. Getting to heaven is based on what you believe. We could never be good enough in the way we live to earn our way to heaven. That's the whole reason Jesus came, because it was incapable for us to save ourselves. And he came, God in the flesh came, he died on the cross, paid for all of our sins so we don't have to, and he rose from the grave. And he tells us this, if we will simply believe or put our faith in him that he made that payment for our sins, the moment we do, he gives us everlasting life, we become born again, he'll never lose us, he'll never cast us out. We are safe and secure for all eternity when we trust Christ. But that does not shield us from the results of our actions in the here and now. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 3, it says this, For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication. Now that's a pretty straightforward statement, isn't it? Abstain from fornication. What is fornication? Fornication, simply put, is sex out of marriage. The only place where, according to the Bible, the only place where sex, and by the way, Men and women, okay, it shouldn't be anything other than that, but it's only within the bounds of, it. never men with men, women with women. It's only in the bounds of marriage, and it's men with women. That's what the Bible teaches. You might say, well, you better be careful what you say. No, I won't be careful what I say. It's what the Bible teaches. God made them male and female. That's how he made them. This is the way it is. It says you should abstain from fornication immorality, which is living in a way contrary to God's moral standards. Immorality, what does it lead to in life? It leads to emotional scars, emotional scars, broken marriages, broken families. When we dishonor God's principles, when we go against the word of God, we will reap what we sow and the results are not good and they're not happy, okay? I've done a lot of marriage counseling, and I've done plenty of counseling with people who have had broken relationships, and my heart goes out to people who have gone through this, okay? But nevertheless, God's principles are true, and if we are committed to the principles of God and honoring God's way of doing things, we can be spared from that. Why? Because we're sowing good seeds, so we reap good results. But when we cross over and say, well, you know what? I don't care a little bit. You know, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. So therefore, it's okay. So now the idea of fornication, people living together before they get married, They say, well, this makes financial sense and all this kind of stuff. You are violating the word of God. You will pay in some way in your life for violating the scriptures. Immorality leads to emotional scars, broken marriages, broken families. It leads to pregnancies that you did not plan. And it leads to STDs, okay, sexually transmitted diseases. It also brings with it the temptation 
When you find out you are pregnant, it brings with it the temptation to abort the baby, which is murder of an infant. And with that, what does that bring? With that comes tremendous guilt and all kinds of emotional issues that take place. Why? Because the word of God has been violated. Seeds of immorality, seeds of sin have been sown and the crop comes up, the results of that, folks. That's why we need to be careful and believe what God says. We reap what we sow. How much better to honor the principles of God's word and see the blessing of God instead of seeing the results of our flesh? Let me show you something. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Now, I, I know there are people who are not saved, and people who are just simply ignorant of the word of God. They're not bad people. They're just people of the world. And, you know, they need to learn. And once they learn, there are times when they'll embrace what God says and make life changes that are going to bring the blessing of God into that relationship. I'm for that. Good, good, good. Yeah. What can I do to help in that way? I'm, I'm for that. Why? Listen, as a pastor, you know what I want to see? I want to see the blessings of God in people's lives. I don't want to see the heartache of violating Scripture and then a person having to live with those scars and the results of the, the bad mistakes and, and, and even the rebellion. Now, listen, we are living with an epidemic today in this world, in this country, with something called pornography. Pornography, folks. And everybody knows what it is. I won't go into detail. You might say, well, what's so bad about that as long as, you, as long as it's private? Let me tell you something. It is destroying individual lives, and it's also destroying families. That's what's wrong with it. Sowing seeds of rebellion to the Word of God will never pay off in a positive way. Matthew 5, 27 now listen, I know Jesus knew about the internet and smartphones and technology and media, but they didn't know about it back then. But you know, people, pornography is so prevalent in our society today, people almost see it like going out and buying a bottle of Coke. Okay, I just want to, oh boy, you know what, I'm thirsty for Coke today. Some people see it that way. Oh, we'll do this and do that and view some porn and, and this and that. It is destroying lives. It is destroying families. And it is an evil, satanic addiction to have. By the way, there is help for that. You can get out of that. And we have a wonderful addictions program here at Northland called Simple Steps. And I I recommend it to you every Friday night at 7 o'clock. But here's what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said of them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, is that not pornography? Hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And by the way, women do it too. What I'm saying, folks, is this. Immorality is rampant today. It is everywhere we look. And it is no wonder that we have the problems we do. We are dysfunctional as people emotionally. Homes are being wrecked. Our children are being scarred for life through things. Marriages are falling apart. 
Emotions are getting all twisted and bizarre to where people don't have any idea what it means to love or even what the word love means because we've so been affected by, can I use the term? Hollywood. That's so much of our society. Which leads me to the second one I want to talk about today, the issue of national obedience to the Word of God. National obedience. Do you know this is an issue of sowing and reaping? Let's be clear. Living a moral life will not get anyone to heaven. But the Bible is abundantly clear that nations are blessed or punished based on how they respond to biblical principles. This is the story of history. It is an undeniable fact. This is a matter of sowing and reaping. Think of our nation as an example. In the past, we, the United States, have been blessed by God because of the choices we have made as a nation based on biblical values. This is why our nation has been great, and this is our foundation from the very foundation, from the Constitution itself. It has got biblical values all through it. But folks, we're living in a day to where this is so being undermined in so many ways. What did we used to do as a nation? We used to protect unborn babies. Now states pass laws and they're standing ovation having to do with aborting babies all the way even through delivery and then deciding, well, do you want to keep the baby or should we just let the baby die comfortably? It's murder. We think it doesn't, doesn't matter with God. We will reap what we sow. The nuclear family today. And yet more and more, the boldness and the brashness of those who are trying to destroy the nuclear family And we've got all these uh, parades and the readings and the transsexuals and, and all these kind of things, basically spitting and insulting the God of heaven who created us, and we think we're not going to pay a price for that? Traditional family values. Here's one, standing with the nation of Israel. Any administration that does not stand with the nation of Israel, it's treason, folks. It's suicide. We are asking for the judgment of God. Look at the record of history. Nations that were once pro-Israel, when they turned against Israel, the blessing of God was taken away from them. Why? Because you reap what you sow. It is a violation of the Abrahamic covenant. Educational freedom. Religious freedom. A proper view of government based on the scriptures. God has given us principles for government and functioning as a people. And when we honor those, he he honors those results. It's a matter of reaping and sowing. But if we sow rebellion to the principles of God, if we say, no, you know what? Moral perversion is fine and you can't even define it anyway. Yes, you can. What about teaching children that you're an accident? that you came from an ooze in the Nile River that got struck by lightning or something, and all of a sudden, here we are today. But your life has no real purpose, and when you die, that's it, it's over. That is a frontal attack on what the Bible teaches. And you wonder why there is such senseless killing today? Because we don't value human life, which is given by God. And so what happens when you don't do that, you are sowing seeds of rebellion and you're going to reap the results of that. And that's exactly what we see today. 
Life means nothing to people. Why should I not shoot you to death if I disagree with you when there's no value of human life? When you've been taught, you've been educated. The Bible is a book of fairy tales. Don't believe it. It's rebellion. It's sowing seeds of unbelief. And we, unfortunately, will reap the results of that. Folks, we were blessed as a nation and we're much greater as a nation than we are today. What has happened? What has happened is rebellion. Over the years, our nation has sown many seeds of ungodliness and wickedness. We have even, the one book that can save America has been banned from the public schools. Can't have Bible, can't have prayer. Ban that from the classrooms. Our nation is now suffering and reaping the results of these seeds that are coming up to fruition. You might say there, listen, Washington is being run by crazy people. It's an asylum in Washington. What has happened? How did these people get into office? Let me tell you how they get into office, folks. They come up through an ungodly, perverted educational system that is anti-Christian, anti-God, and that's how they're educated. They grow up, numerically anyway, And then there's so many people like them, they vote them into office. I say, oh, things are a mess. Yeah, you know what? It's simply a result of sowing and reaping. When we reject the ways of God, eventually you pay the price for that. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. Let me show you this over in Hosea. Hosea 10 and verse 12, the Lord says, sow to yourselves, sow. Do you see that? Sow, reaping and sowing. Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy. Break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you. But what happened? Ye have plowed wickedness, you have reaped iniquity. You have eaten the fruit of lies, because thou didst not trust in thy way and in the multitude of thy mighty men, okay? You notice, you sow wickedness, you reap rebellion. And all the results, the sorrow that comes with that. We won't turn there, but let me just quote a couple verses to you. Psalm 9, verse 17. Listen, folks, how grave this is, how serious this is. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. That's a shocking verse, isn't it? But that's a matter of sowing and reaping. The wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God. Isn't it interesting, the nations that forget God? Evidently, if you can forget, it's something you knew what was right at one point. But now you forgot it. You put it behind you. I don't want that in my memory. Therefore, what will we do? We will try to extract it from society. And God says, your nation will be turned into hell if you do that. Well, but we're the United States of America. No exceptions. God is no respecter of persons. Proverbs 14, 34, righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. What a contrast. Virtually the whole book of Proverbs is a book expounding on the issue of sowing and reaping. Have you ever looked at it that way? That's why I recommend reading Proverbs every single day. It reminds us 
It reminds us of this. Let's move on. The issue of in the area of family life. The greatest input that there will ever be into the life of a child will be the example of the parents. That is the greatest point of impact. Parents, we can either impact our children for righteousness and good and godliness, or we can be selfish and feed our flesh and try to live a secret life or a double life, and kids pick up on hypocrisy. Listen, much of the Christian life is caught, not taught. It's caught. They watch and they interpret what certain words mean by the way mom and dad live their lives. Kindness, love, integrity, honesty, humility. I'm having an impact on my children. You know what, folks? If I want my children to turn out right, then I better be sure I'm on track myself. Because if I just say, oh, you know, remember the old saying, do as I say, not as I do. Doesn't hold water. Doesn't hold water. Hypocrisy is a killer. The example of the parents. Now, this can go either way, good or bad. We define our words to our children, again, by the way we live our lives. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6 and verse 4. It says this, Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, anger, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What provokes a child to be angry? You know what it is? The hypocrisy in the unreasonableness of parents. That's what provokes children to be angry. Are you real, mom and dad? Are you real? Are you a person of integrity? The just man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. That's sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. Uh, You know what? I want our children to be blessed. Therefore, I need to be a man who walks in integrity. Do you see how this fleshes itself out? Family life, so important. Let me give you another one, the issue of friends. Friends. Are you a a person struggling to get away from that which has been wrong, that which is your life has been a mess and you've been hanging around the wrong people and all that? Listen, friends are like buttons on an elevator. They're either going to take you up or down. Be careful who your friends are. You will become what they are. It's the way it works out. Say, I want to be a godly person. Hang around with godly people. Put yourself in an environment that's got godly people, that are good people, that, that want to live for Christ and who are real. That's why the value and the preciousness of the local church is so important. Friends, Proverbs thirteen twenty: He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Is there anything more clear than that? Don't run around with foolish people. Well, I know this person, and you know, they're not saved or they're not godly and all that, but they're really likable, and I find them really interesting, and, and you know, they don't believe the Bible, but okay, do you believe what God says here? See, friend, if you're not trying to reach them for Christ, they are going to reach you with the ungodliness. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Do we believe God or don't we believe God? Let me give you another one. The study of and the meditation on God's Word. You know, it is amazing to me that we as Christians today will have plenty of time for TV or movies or this or that or some secular book or whatever it is. But boy, I'll tell you what, when it comes time to a on-purpose 
disciplined daily time in the Word of God, boy, the old flesh just wants to fight and resist and come up with all kinds of excuses. Why? Why? No, that's not. Why? Well, I can't do that. I, I don't understand it. Oh, it's too big. It's too big of a subject. Oh, I'm, you know, I'm reading in this book, and I don't understand what they're talking about there and all that. We forsake it, not understand it. Listen, God, folks, every book in this book is important. Don't you believe some of the modern preachers today say, well, you know what? It's not Old Testament at all anymore. It's just all New Testament. Forget about the Old Testament. No, don't forget about the Old Testament. It's all the Word of God. If it wasn't, God would not have preserved it. It is all the Word of God, and there are things to be learned. Psalm 1. Some of you could probably even quote it with me as I read it. You may have memorized this sometime in your life. Listen, what are we talking about? Sowing and reaping. You want your life to be blessed, more stable, more fruitful? Here we go. God tells us how. Psalm 1, verse 1, blessed is the man. Blessed means happy. Did you know that? Don't you think it's interesting? The largest book in the Bible begins with the word happy. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight... Now, that's an issue of the heart, isn't it? His delight. His delight is in the law of the Lord. It's the word of God. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. To meditate is to mull things over, to think about it deeply, to chew on it, to take some time. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. This is where our heads are. This is what we think about. This is the way we think. We let the Word of God change the way we think. What's going to be the result of that? See, we're sowing good seed. We're sowing good seed. What's going to be the result of that? He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper." There's benefits here. There's stability. There's an attitude change. There's joy. There's peace. There's spiritual health. Steadfastness. All of these things are the fruit of being in the Word and giving your life to it the way we should. I say, I don't have time. Okay. You reap what you sow. Then you are, if a person, if a believer says, I don't have time for this, what you're saying is this. I will rob myself of the blessings God wants me to have And I will fill my time instead with things that don't matter instead of this. And then you rob yourself of the blessings, the prosperity, the stability, the fruitfulness that God wants us to have. See, it's a matter of sowing and reaping. It's a choice to be made. And now we can take the Word of God with us all over the place, right? You've got wonderful Bible apps for smartphones and uh, tablets and everything else. You can take it with you. It's so easy to take it with you now. Let me give you another one. Prayer. Prayer. Have you ever thought of prayer being a matter of sowing and reaping? This is thought-provoking. Turn with me to James chapter 4. By the way, James is sort of the New Testament equivalent to the book of Proverbs. James chapter 4. In verse 2, James says, Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight in war. These next two phrases, 
yet you have not because you ask not. What have I not received in my Christian life that God would have given me simply because I never asked him for it? Now, folks, listen, I'm not asking him for a new Corvette. Now, if he wanted to drop one on me, not on me, but (laughs) I probably wouldn't object to that. But you know what? It's a toy, right? It's a toy. But what about the significant things in life? What about the person who struggles for years and years and years with their home life or their kids or their marriage and all that, and they have just tried to white-knuckle through life and they don't know what they're doing and all that, but they've never actually cried out to God and asked God to help them. Or there's an emotional need in their life and ask God to fill that or to a hurt to heal and all that. We have not because we ask not. We worry. Let's say you're, you're having a hard time making financial ends meet, okay? And we worry, 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 and we stay up at night, and we're losing sleep and this and anxiety and all these kind of things. Let me ask you this. Have you asked God for wisdom? Have you asked God to the specifics of that, to take care of that need? What is it we don't have that we could have if we would just ask the Lord? Give you another one. Financial giving, the area of financial giving. All right? Now, listen, we don't give to get, but God does bless faithfulness when it comes to financial giving. Well, I don't like that. You know, my money's my money. I've had Christians tell me that. My money's my money. It's like, are you kidding me? Am I hearing this right? Wait a minute. Let me clean my ears out, and I'll come back and hear that again, because I don't believe you're saying it. Your money is your money? No, it isn't. God is the one who allowed you to have that job. God is the one who allowed you to pull that paycheck. God is the one who allowed you to have the health to work to where you could earn money. It is all from the hand of God. And he says, you need to see your money as belonging to him. And then, Lord, how do you want me to use the money I have? Well, okay, okay. I'll give him 10%, but the rest is mine. No, it's all his. It's all his. 10% is good. By the way, most Christians don't even give 10%. Most Christians don't really give anything. Did you know that? I'd say, there's one of those preachers. He's always asking for money. I never ask for money. I didn't, just now, I didn't ask for money. I'm just saying, you want to be blessed? Be generous. Generous people are more blessed than those who aren't. It's the way it is. 2 Corinthians 9, 6, but this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. The context there, God says this, he says, God loves a hilarious or cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. It's based on a Greek word, hilaria. We get our word hilarious from it. Somebody who just enjoys giving. Well, I want to give to that. Oh, oh, no, I'm going to give to that. Let me help out with this. Well, I wish I had money to give. Let me ask you this. Let's give by faith and watch what God does. It is amazing what God does. My first few years in a Christian life was in a church where the pastor never would say anything at all about giving. He wouldn't even teach what the Bible says about it. I'm not talking about him asking for money. He wouldn't even teach it because people will misunderstand. They'll get turned off and they won't come. That's wrong. You preach the whole counsel of God. Leave it up to people to respond 
to God in the right way, but teach them what the Bible says. And then I was a part of the ministry years later where the pastor actually taught on giving, and it was like, I've never heard this before. Now, that's my fault. It was in the Bible. I never heard this before. And we started giving, and it's amazing to see what God started doing. He who sows sparingly reaps sparingly. He who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. Let me go to another one, incredibly important. Witnessing to the lost. Folks, listen, those of us who are believers, if we don't share the gospel with the lost, we will never lead someone to Christ. Isn't that just simple? If I never share the gospel with the lost, I'll never lead someone to Christ. Oh, I can't lead people to Christ. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The power's not in you. The power's in the gospel. The more seed we sow, the greater results we will see. You talk to any of the many fishermen that we have in our church, and maybe they'll talk about, boy, I, you know, I was out this weekend, Saturday, and I caught all these fish. I caught my limit. I can't believe it. And these are beautiful fish and all that. And you say, boy, you know what? I wish I could catch fish like that. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you went fishing? How many fish are you going to catch if you don't go out? You reap what you sow. The more you fish, the more potential of catching fish, right? Blaine, is that correct? Isn't that just simple? It's just simple. Now, I happen to be one that believes if you go out on a boat and fish, you should get fish. You should never fish for fish and not get any. That's not right. (laughs) But I'll tell you this. You might say, well, okay, then what about your law of sowing and reaping then? You know what I did? I learned where not to go or maybe when not to go. Talk to any fishermen. They know the ins and outs of everything. What bait to use or what lure, and of course all the stores know how to lure you to buy their lures. If you just use this one, you'll catch it. Here's the point though. If you never fish, you'll never catch. Jesus said in John 4.35, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages. The word wage means reward. And gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Folks, there's nothing more thrilling than to lead a person to Christ. Nothing is more thrilling than that. You share the gospel with them, they understand it, and you see them right before your eyes pass from death to life. What could be better than that? But you know what? There are some Christians who've never led one soul to Christ. It isn't that you can't. It's that we choose not to. Let me give you another one, one last one, and I'll just mention it. The preaching and teaching of the Word of God. God has used this principle of reaping and sowing in my own life to keep me motivated in ministry at times when things were tough. You're not seeing what you want to see. You're not seeing much fruit. You're not seeing this or that. And the Lord says, no, no, stay at it. Keep sowing seed. Be faithful. Preach and teach the Word of God as it is, accurately, and then get out of the way and let it do its work. Have confidence in it. And watch what happens and watch lives get transformed. And sometimes, folks, listen, it can be the same person who hears it week after week, month after month, year after year, and you don't see anything going on. And then all of a sudden, years down the road, all of a sudden, boop, there's some fruit. Boop, another change there. What happened? 
You might say, well, they decided to cooperate. Absolutely. But listen, what did, what did they cooperate with? The word of God. Where'd they get it? They kept hearing it. It's a wonderful thing. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Romans 12, 2. I won't read them because of time. But let me say this, folks. The Word of God is perfect. It makes us mature, complete, and it transforms our mind. And when our mind gets transformed, we start making the right decision, which leads to making the right decision is sowing right seed, and that leads to reaping the results of that. It's a motivator. Each day we live, we are sowing seeds for a crop that will be coming in the future. I have one more passage, two more passages to cover very briefly. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. The choices we make will determine what our future will look like. Galatians chapter 5. Do you know people, there are people who will hear a message like this and they'll say, you know, especially young people, you know what? Blah, blah, blah. I am just curious what it would be like to try some alcohol. I'm just curious what it would be like to take some drugs. Maybe just one time, just one pill of fentanyl, just one. I'm just curious how you feel, okay? Let me tell you something. That is a path of foolishness that is going to lead to destruction in your life. No good comes from that kind of stuff. Galatians 5.19, now the works of the flesh, that's our old sin nature. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery. This is the result of living according to the flesh, sowing seed to the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, moral uncleanness, lasciviousness. You, You live a life where you're out of control. Idolatry, witchcraft, By the way, the word for witchcraft, the Greek word pharmakia, linked into drugs. Hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and so on. Folks, that's the fruit of the old sin nature. When we sow seed, this is the crop that comes up. Does this sound like the kind of life you want? Does it sound like the kind of life I want? No. Verse 22, though, but the fruit of the Spirit, there you go. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, which is humility, temperance, self-control. Against such there is no law. It's a choice. Am I going to sow to my flesh or am I going to sow to the Spirit? I'll get the crop I choose. How my life goes is my choice. What I need to do is submit it to the Lord. Listen, folks, I can't speak for you, but I am motivated to live my life for Jesus Christ. I believe I will reap what I sow, and I want to see the blessings of God, and I've seen so much of the blessings of God in my life It keeps me motivated. Like, yeah, God's way works. God's way is true. It is worth it all the way. One last verse over in John chapter 3. Perhaps you're here today and this is all new to you. It's all new. I got a question for you. If you were to die today, where would you go? Do you know for sure you go to heaven? You might say, "I, I hope I'm going there. Well, that's honestly, that's not good enough. Did you know that? If you hope you're going there, you're probably not. 
because you haven't understood what Jesus Christ has done for you. Let me illustrate this for you today. Look up here, everybody looking. If my left hand represents you and me, we're going to let this wallet represent sin. Now, it's easy to remember that because it says so. Here we are. The Bible says we're all sinners. The Bible tells us God loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. You see, our sin separates us from him. You cannot get into heaven with even one sin, not even one, because heaven's a perfect place. No sin will dwell there. So what are we going to do? You might say, well, I'm going to try to behave and be a good person. It doesn't take away the sin. You need a payment for sin, something to take the sin away, to pay for it. See, friend, if we die with our sin, we'll be lost forever in hell. But God doesn't want that for any one of us. Good works won't take it away. Good works are good, but they don't take away sin. Death is the only payment for sin, Romans 6.23. So then what are we going to do? Well, there's nothing we could do to take our sin away. And that is why Jesus came. This hand represents the Lord Jesus Christ. You notice he's sinless. Had no sin of his own, he's God. And when he went to the cross and died on the cross, he died, by the way, it wasn't a mistake. He died on the cross to pay for our sin. We need a payment for sin. That is why Jesus came. He took our sin upon himself and he made the payment so that we don't have to. Now, if all your sin is paid for, How many does that leave you to pay for? None. Jesus died. He was buried and rose from the grave. And he says this, if you will put your faith in him, if you will believe in him that he did that for you, the moment you do, he will give you everlasting life. You're not saved by good works. Notice this, for by grace are you saved through faith. Faith is believing. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Here in John chapter 3 and verse 36, it makes it so clear. This is the difference between heaven and hell. He that believeth on the Son hath, that moment, everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Look up here. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. When you believe on Christ, when you put your faith in him, The payment he made is put to your account. Your sin has been paid for. He gives you everlasting life. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. He that believeth not the Son, in other words, you reject this, shall not see life. But the wrath of God abides on him. Why? Because God's wrath abides on the sin. Listen, if you die with your sin, immediately you'll be consumed in fire. I don't wish that for you, and God doesn't either. That's why he sent Jesus. Will you today, friend, if you've never done it, will you today trust in Jesus Christ that he's paid for all your sin? If you trust in him as your savior, there's nothing keeping you out of heaven and there's nothing to send you to hell. Your sin's been taken care of through the blood of Christ. Trust him. Would you do it? Well, friends, that concludes this edition of Voice of Assurance. Thanks so much for listening. And would you share this ministry with a friend? To contact us or learn more about our ministry, please visit www.northlandchurch.com. Your prayers and support for this ministry are greatly appreciated. Thank you so much, and God bless you.